The Bill Myers Show podcast is sponsored by Clouser Drilling. They've been leading the way in Southern Oregon well drilling for over 50 years. Find out more about them at clouserdrilling.com. Every Tuesday, we end up uh, checking in with newly minted State Representative Dwayne Yunker. Dwayne, it's great to have you back. Uh, while we're uh, well, talking here in the final couple of weeks of the state legislative session, there has been a lot of crazy you know, going on there and a lot of uh, push in strange directions. I was talking about that with State Representative uh, Kim Wallen yesterday. But uh, I wanted to get your take and your lay on the land, too. How are you doing this morning and what's happening lately, huh? Um, I, You know, I'm doing great. I know what I was going to put myself into. And I, am I seen and feeling what I thought was going to happen up here? No, it's, I think it's even worse. Oh. I hate to say that. But you know what? Someone needs to be here, and I have thick skin, so I am I'm up to the task um, of up here. So, if you're talking about Measure um, House Bill 4002, um, it was um, five, I think, five hours. Wait, was it no over four hours last night? They were on the in a committee for. I wasn't in there, but I listened to it online. And this was the uh, is four thousand two the fix for uh, Measure One Ten's problems with the the drug addiction and the uh, derelict homelessness and such. Yes, that's the the the, the bill to do the fix mm-hmm. for um, recriminalizing. I guess you would say uh, um, methamphetamine, heroin, and fentanyl. Um, and it was people testifying for and against for four hours. Um, a lot of people opposing, you know, for several reasons, even for saying it, it, it targets black and brown people and just all kinds of things. Are, are they trying to make the case that being drug addicted somehow is, uh, is something which is just a natural part of being black or brown people in Oregon, and to do anything to recriminalize this is somehow racist? Is that the kind of insanity that is coursing the veins of our state legislature at this point in time? In, you know, I'm really having a hard time trying to figure out how, how everything is racism in, in their minds, you know, and I look at it as this last year. So last year in January 1, a new law came into effect on cartel lights. That law enforcement no longer can pull people over for a tail light out. You've got to have all tail lights out before they can pull you over because I don't know. I mean, is it a culture thing that black and brown people drive around with no lights out, tail lights? I haven't figured that out. It's a safety issue that I see that if you have a tail light out, it could cause an accident. But to them, it's racism because I I didn't know that black and brown people have a tail light up. Maybe it's a culture thing. I yeah. So so it. so okay. That's something else to know. You're black and brown, so you don't know, or or you won't uh, replace the lights. Uh, the the poor white the poor white guy from out in rural Josephine County is an example, right? You know, they're poor. Uh, they know how to put uh, or they they drive with uh, tail lights on, but the black and brown people wouldn't. Right. That's it's just. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't I can't wrap my head around it. You can't even get your driver. If you go down to go a driving test, you have to have all your turn signals and brakes working for safety. But, you know, legislators figure that, you know, this is racist. If there's a tail light out and cops would want to pull you over because you're. <laughs> but, you know, this is going back to that talk I had with uh, Dr. Mark Mostert here a few minutes ago. That uh, yeah. it is so insulting. You know, if 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 I were a minority individual, I would be so insulted that people would say, "Ah, oh, sorry, you know, culturally, we we know you don't uh, you won't repair your car, and you don't want to follow the rules, so we're just going to change the rules and and eliminate them." I would be so insulted by that. But maybe I'd be racist for being insulted by that. I don't. Maybe that's uh, well, everything's racist right now. You know, they're getting to the point right now here, Representative Yunker, that. Everything is so racist there that nothing is racist after a while. It, it's just, I think it's, they're going over the cliff on this stuff from the sounds of it. Yeah, there's just, it's just hard to know what's really racism and what's not racism. It's just an excuse for not um, 
<laughs> for not fixing a problem or not actually making yeah. people uh, follow yeah. rules. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and everything has, you know, pe- more people are dying, more black people are dying from COVID, not because obesity and lifestyle is affecting when you get COVID that, you know, black people are more likely to have obesity and stuff like that. It's now that we're targeting them. And I'm like, well, <laughs> that's a lifestyle, you know, <laughs> um, thing or. And then they call, and then they call you a racist for bringing up lifestyle or characteristic. Okay. Got it. All right. Wow. Yeah, I- uh, this this is this is interesting. Then, so look at four thousand two. You were listening to all the testimony of, of about this. Is there a consensus? Is four thousand two actually progress, or is it just window dressing on the recriminalization criminalization of drugs? Uh, given the fact that uh, the voters, unwisely in my view, uh, were all in on Measure One Ten in many cases. You know the George Soros backed uh, type stuff. So you know that that's what. You know, Oregon what voted for essentially. Okay, I'm really struggling with four thousand two. I, I I would honestly am struggling, and, and and I tell people that I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty militant. I mean, if you know me, I'm a military guy. I spent 21 years, and I want to put people in jail. But man, I am struggling with this because I feel this is a failure. We're being set up. Now, how do you think that we're being set up, uh, Representative Yunker, by House Bill 4002? I mean, we know you're a hardcore guy, right? You, you would like yeah, to be yeah. jailing people, the, 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 the addicts more, in order to get the treatment. But what? What's happening with this? I feel that if I sent you a letter here, I just emailed you a letter before this started, and they're forcing the hands of the counties and the cities to go along with this um, deflection or diversion program and to get the money. I feel like they're just going to blame the cities or counties that you didn't do it right or see people are still dying. Um, The blame game is going to be there or the funding is not going to be there to help people. And and the reason why I say that is because we have less treatment beds today than we have eight years ago. We We went from 49 to 50 on treatment beds. Wow. I don't trust Oregon Health Authority. I, I just don't trust it. You know, it, it's interesting because I, I, I talked with State Rep Kim Wallen from Medford yesterday about this. And I was kind of curious about this uh, because it does appear that you're right about this. I'm looking at this uh, statement of commitment letter that you sent me uh, that, mm-hmm. would be, that would be going to the counties. And then the counties would have to then commit to this. Kim Wallen, though, uh, did say that she thought that that was a positive thing because it's kind of taking it outside of Oregon Health Authority and putting the county on the hook for it. But you're saying it's like it's putting the counties on the hook, but they're the ones that are caught with the holding the bag when the state doesn't really, you know, get the money going or or really get the law enforcement going to to enforce this. Is that is that kind of your suspicion? I don't want to put words in your mouth. I want to hear it from you, but still. Yeah, this is my suspicion. I mean, look how long it took to get the funding out for Measure 110. And, and I, you know, you've had many talks about, do you really trust the government doing the right thing and getting money where it needs to be mm-hmm. and setting these programs up? I, I don't trust the government doing things properly. I think private entities and businesses always do things better than the government. Uh, and so, uh, but but is there really a private uh, industry set up around drug treatment for the uh, the drug addicted and derelict uh, populations here of Southwest Oregon? Well, I, I you know I feel there's there's some good people in the treatment world. Oh, I you get know, that. I know some. Yeah. And, and and I think they want to help people, but another part of this is. Fentanyl is very dangerous. I don't think people understand how dangerous fentanyl is. And if we don't detox people, this is my compassion hat I'm putting on. If we don't detox people correctly and just throw them in jail, we could have more deaths. And they're going to go, well, see, incarceration is killing people. Uh, well, well, yeah, because drug dealers are still here in the state or, you know, we're still allowing 
drugs over the border. This is such a... And, and we're still going to be a sanctuary state and sanctuary cities yeah. and everything else. And so we're still going to have the massive supply coming in. All right. So you're looking at House Bill 4002. I want to be clear here, State Representative Dwayne Yunker. Is this uh, about shifting the blame from the state of Oregon Democrats that were pushing Measure 110, and they're hoping to then shift the blame to the counties for taking over and trying to clean up the mess? Is that it? I, I, you know, these are just my, like, my little spidey senses. Okay. (laughs) You know, I'm like, do we trust the Democrats? And, and, you know, and something happened on the floor yesterday. And you you know what a remonstrance is? Yes, a remonstrance is when a uh, state rep or senator is able to go up and talk about anything uh, he or she wants, right? Yes, so I read a remonstrance yesterday on the floor, and I pissed a lot of people off. And the Democrats. Now, because, now, how did you do that? What did, now? What did you do? What did you say, Dwayne? <laughs> I, I well, so here, here's the thing: is so there is um, seven people on this committee, um, seven reps and senators on this committee that took money from Drug Policy Alliance. Oh, they took money from George Soros, right? Yeah. Oh. And so these people, in, in my in my reading, I called them out. And I guess I wasn't supposed to call them out the way I did, but whatever. Um, they took the drug money from George Soros, and now I'm supposed to trust them to fix the problem. You know? Oh, so that's why you're not trusting the House Bill 4002. The people that took the George Soros Measure 110 money are the same people that are now claiming we've got the fix for it. Got it. Okay. Yes. All right. <laughs> and, you're not, and you're in trouble with them for actually mentioning the fact that they took George Soros money. Exactly. And Representative Sanchez afterward came to my desk on the floor and started yelling at me because I accused them of this money. I go, well, did you, you took the money? Did you return the money? Did you gift it to a good cause? No, you didn't. You're just you're the deaths of my city or your pro- you did this. And she did not like that. And you know what? I don't have a problem. You took the drug source money, you know, uh, and. I don't trust these people. All right. Well, maybe your trust is, or your lack of trust is well-placed here. Of course, I I don't know, you know, the challenge that we're looking at here is at the long session where you might be able to hammer out better deals right now. That's another year from now. That's a lot of dead people between now and then, given what are we at, about 1,500 fentanyl deaths a year right now, just from the current overdose rate. It's probably going up. Into the wrong and hard spot here, you know. Yeah, I want to criminalize drug use again, but I don't trust the people that are we put in charge, and they don't want um, Republican amendments. You know, there's amendment there for parents to be able to get their kid under 18 in the drug treatment. Let's see if the Democrats will allow that amendment go in there. Yeah. I don't think they will. They don't want parents to have any. any oh, they don't want right. parents to have any say on anything. You know, from the sounds no. of it in the in Salem. I mean, with school boards and everything else. All right, uh, Dwayne, I'm almost out of time. I wanted to give you another uh, bite on another issue here. But, boy, I, I it, it's interesting to talk to uh, someone who is uh, relatively new to the uh, to the state capitol and, and the way things are being done. It's quite an education, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. wh- what about the bill or the push to work on campaign finance reform? Has that been talked much around uh, your circles here? Because uh, I was talking with uh, with Kim about this. And I can't believe that there would be any campaign finance reform put together in a quick hurry up session like this one that is not going to allow the state public employee unions to continue to buy politicians and control in Salem. What do you think? I, I, I would agree. I have there's not we haven't really talked about it much. I think what's happening is they're scared because of this going to the ballot. Oh. And if they don't do some kind of fix then it's going to go to the ballot and the people, they're always worried it's going to be worse if it goes to the ballot. So we'll, we'll do a fix real fast. And, and exactly the unions, they control the democratic party. So there's so much control from there. And, and what kind of cutout are they going to get that the rest of us won't? That's just my. Mm-hmm. Well, keep us informed on this. I know you've been putting out a bunch of letters and, and emails to constituents. I appreciate your, uh, your, skepticism in which okay if you're going to if i'm supposed to trust you you better show me how this is supposed to work rather rather than taking it on faith and they're looking for a lot of faith right now 
Uh, State Rep. Dwayne Yunker, we appreciate the take. Anything else we should be watching here? Because these these two issues, campaign finance reform and Measure 110, seem to be the big ones. Is that still mostly what's uh, going on? That was the most. Yeah, those are the most two there um, going on. I, I, we will see. We got you know this week and next week and see what happens. Um, this, the, I think tonight and starting at five again, they'll be debating this in committee, I believe, uh-huh. for four thousand two, which is a measure of one ten. So we will see what they say. You know, I'll be listening. I'm on in the, on the committee, um, but I want to have my skeptics out there because. I want to know people, how people how I feel about this because I'm not very trusting of this process. Well, I, I appreciate you uh, sharing your candor about uh, not being very trusting on it, okay? Uh, we'll have you back next Tuesday. Yeah. Be well. If anything breaks, let me know, okay? Thanks again. Okay, thank you, Bill. Have a good one. State Representative Dwayne Yunker. <laughs> oh, man, I got I you got to love it. I love someone that's, go, that's willing to go out there and call out these uh, state representatives Hey, you're here to fix the drug use, and yet you took all the George Soros drug money for Measure 110. Shut up! <laughs> okay. Uh, this is the Bill Meyer Show. Here at American Rancher Garage, we respect and support those individuals who currently or have previously served this great country and our local communities. As a small token of our respect and appreciation for their service, we extend our heroes discount to all active or veteran military personnel and to our active or retired first responders. There is no way to completely repay your dedication to the protection of our country and communities, but we will do what we can. American Industrial Door invites you to see their Wayne Dalton wood grain finish collection. Transform your curb appeal with high-quality, non-repeating wood grain that looks like a real wood door. The innovative design blends the strength of steel with the timeless beauty of wood. Wayne Dalton offers a variety of simulated wood finishes and window configurations, too. Count on the quality of Wayne Dalton and the expert service and installation of American Industrial Door. Showrooms on Crater Lake Avenue north of Vilas and Union Avenue in Grants Pass. Well, you know, it's Orly Stoven Spas. We both recommend. Now I told you where, let us tell you why. You ought to stop and see our friends. Lamont here from Orly Stoves and Spas. Are you tired of those huge heating bills just to stay warm and comfortable in your own home? Then now is the time for a new wood, gas, or pellet stove from Orly Stoves and Spas. Orly's has Southern Oregon's largest inventory with over 400 stoves in stock now. Never be cold again. And for a limited time, receive a 30% tax credit on qualifying wood or pellet stoves and installation. Are you ready for a relaxing spring and summer enjoying your new pool, swim spa, or hot tub? Then Orly's has everything you need. We are fully stocked on splash around above ground pools and accessories. Orly's is Southern Oregon's largest cow spa dealer with both spas and swim spas in stock now, as well as the shortest lead time of any dealer in the valley on any special order. Don't forget to ask us about our easy financing. Orly's Soaps and Spas at the corner of Delta Waters and Crater Lake Highway, Medford. Come see us at the Umpqua Valley Home Show, March 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. On the battlefield, there's a saying America's military men and women live by. Never leave a fallen warrior behind, ever. Off the battlefield, Wounded Warrior Project operates with the same goal. Wounded Warrior Project was created to help our men and women returning home with the scars of war, whether those scars are physical or mental. Wounded Warrior Project, we never leave a fallen warrior behind, ever. Learn more about what we do at WoundedWarriorProject.org. 106.3 106.3 KMED, 99.3 KCMD. This is the Bill Myers Show. <laughs> 7.32. I had to give a quick uh, shout-out here to Alan Kissy. Alan writes, uh, Bill, about uh, the taillights. President Joe Biden, if your taillight ain't out, you ain't black. That's an interesting way of looking at it. You know, that is kind of the insulting. That is the insulting uh, point of view that I think many Democrats have under, under the guise of... Uh, well, being an ally and and helping minorities is that uh, you know, you're just not capable of uh, following the rules. You just can't do that. Betty Martin writes me, Bill, basket of things under my saddle. Instead of pebble on uh, pebble in your shoe Tuesday, you have a basket under your saddle. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Betty says, Bill, have you noticed how small eggs are nowadays? Back in the day, they would have been considered small. Today, they are double A large. Is that true? Okay. Well, the reason is because they are missing they are messing with old mother nature, Betty says. 
they've developed these smaller chickens to become full size in less time. And therefore, chickens uh, produce smaller eggs and they're fed less grain. And then when the laying age is over, you will have a much smaller fryer or roasting chicken. Your wife, Linda, will notice the changes in her recipes, and I will have to adjust accordingly. Everything is getting so small. I even have to use a fork to get a slice of toast out of our uh, toaster. Thanks, Betty. Betty, it's an interesting take. I, I hadn't really considered that. I, I was looking at large eggs. Maybe the uh, size has changed uh, so imperceptibly over uh, a period of time that we just don't uh, notice it to the same extent. I'll just say maybe that's uh, true. But, you know, there is that one guy that was uh, proposing, I forget his, his name. Uh, it was a, a doctor that was saying that we need to genetically modify humans so that we can be small. So we can be small, and, and that way we'll have a smaller food and carbon footprint. You know, that kind of thing. We'll be smaller. And um, I remember back when I was in high school, this, it reminds me of, a, of a, a comedy album that Steve Martin put out in his early, back when he was just a stand-up comic instead of a movie star. But uh, it was called Let's Get Small, right? So, I mean, this is what they're pushing. So it's let's get small chickens, let's get small cows, let's get small people. And, gosh, <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, let's all get small. We wouldn't want it to be, you know, large is, uh, is too uh, carbony, you know, that kind of thing. It's uh, 735 at KMED, KCMD. I don't know if Herman's standing by for our talk. Is this Herman or not? I don't know. Who's this? Welcome. No, it, it's Stephen, Sunny Valley. I just have to say, I have chickens. I used to like work in an egg ranch. Yeah. Young chickens lay small eggs. They do. When they, when they get older, they lay bigger eggs. All right. They're, so the, the push then is it's not really genetically modified chickens to make them smaller. It's just that they're laying, they're, we're getting more eggs from younger chickens then, right? Yeah, they had a... a a flu, and they killed a lot of chickens. All the older ones got killed off. Mm. So now a lot more egg producers have smaller chickens. Oh, but okay. they're sized the same way. All right, they are. <laughs> I got to tell so, you, though, yeah, no matter what you say, though, chickens are funny-looking animals, aren't they? Yeah, and roosters are nasty. <laughs> they're oh. not as nasty as, as drakes, male ducks, but roosters are not nice animals. Oh, yeah, absolutely, right there with you. Thank you, Steve. I don't know. This is Herman standing by. Hi, Herman. How you doing? I'm doing great. It was you. See, I psychically knew it was you. All right? Yeah. Could it be caller ID? <laughs> Actually, I didn't even look. Not this time. I was just going off of the uh, the psychic waves. The, psych the psychic wave talk radio network, okay? But, uh, oh, that's, that's scaring me. Okay. Right. Hang on. We got plenty to talk about after news. We'll do that. <laughs> Josephine County Commissioner Bear Jigger next. Okay, that settles it. We're closing the store. I mean, Garrison's Warehouse Clearance Center is hard to find. Even GPS gives up sometimes. So we're calling it a day, closing up shop, and clearing out everything. While it lasts, get beautiful, brand new, big name furniture for up to 75% off. So if you can find us, you'll make out like a bandit. All sales are final at the store closing because nobody can find a sale through March 9th only at Garrison's Warehouse Clearance Center. Garrisons.com. KMED, KCMD News, sponsored by Millette Construction, specializing in foundation repair and replacement. Get on solid ground by visiting MilletConstruction.com. Good morning, I'm Marcus Villa with your MEC5 morning news update. The man charged in the shooting last month in White City is now facing a murder charge after the victim passed away. The Jackson County Sheriff's Office arrested 27-year-old Hector Cruz Orozco after a shooting at a mobile home on Falcon Street in White City back on January 28th, Orozco was arrested the following day. He was facing multiple charges, including attempted murder and felon in possession of a firearm. The attempted murder charge has now been upgraded to a charge of murder in the second degree. Pacific Power has proposed another energy rate increase for customers, and it's a big one. The rate increase would raise energy costs by nearly 17% per customer, an average increase of just over $29 per household each month. Pacific Power says the increase will help the company with wildfire risk management, investments in transmission infrastructure, and investments in renewable energy. Pacific Power says the increase will not seek recovery for any damages listed in the recent wildfire lawsuits and settlements against the company. Before any rate increases take effect, it must be approved by Oregon's Public Utilities Commission. For customers who are struggling to pay energy bills, help is available. 
You can find out more about the company's payment assistance program on Pacific Power's website. For local news anytime, you can head to our website, kobi5.com, or to our Facebook page, that's KOBI-TV, NBC5, and for NBC5 News, I'm Marcus Vio. Happy Tuesday, everybody. This hour of the Bill Meyer Show is proudly sponsored by Phoenix Auto Center Tire Pros and Full Service Auto Repair. Hi, it's Jolene at Phoenix Auto Center Tire Pros. If you're wondering about the condition of your tires, stop in and we'll check your tread level and give you an honest assessment on wear and your ability to navigate wet, slick roads. And if you need new tires, Phoenix Auto Center has a great selection of top brands like General, Hercules, Cooper, Continental, Falcon, Mastercraft, BF Goodrich, and more. For the best tire prices and service, see your local family-owned Phoenix Auto Center Tire Pros on Main in Phoenix. If you're remodeling your house, start with the foundation. Millette Construction offers a no-pressure, thorough inspection of your home's foundation and a no-obligation estimate if your house needs work. The foundation is most important because all the repairs and upgrades you're planning from the floors, windows, doors, cabinets, even the roof can be affected if your foundation is unstable. Be sure you're on solid ground. Millette Construction will level your house and correct the shifting soil problem. Visit MilletteConstruction.com. Hi, this is Ken. Heart disease is the number one cause of death among older adults. But here at Prestige Senior Living Arbor Place, we take the health and wellness of our residents to heart. We're offering a free guide on heart health for older adults on our website at prestigecanhelp.com. It includes information on common heart health risks and tips on how nutrition, fitness, sleep, and stress management can promote a healthy heart. Visit prestigecanhelp.com to download the guide. Again, that's prestigecanhelp.com. See you soon. Hi, I'm Matt Stone from Pressure Point Roofing, and I'm on 106.3 KMED. 20 before 8, Josephine County Commissioner Herman Berchiger rejoins the show. And of course, a former state senator, former Oregon Republican Party chair. And you got out of that snake pit uh, pretty quickly. Anyway, <laughs> welcome back, Herman. Always good talking I, with you. I, I talk to Justin um, all the time, and... Uh, He's having the experience of his life, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, in other words, the uh, the old Asian proverb, may you live in interesting times, right, is playing out for, for Justin. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But he's doing a fine job, but uh, it's challenging. Yeah. Indeed it is. I wanted to yeah. talk about uh, editorial. I, I do subscribe to all the local papers around here, including the uh, Daily Courier. Scott Stoddard is uh, going after the board again. It's an editorial he had the other day, and I just wanted to get your chance to respond to it. Commissioners demanding more than Oregon Department of Forestry can deliver. This having to do with uh, structure fires. Natalie Weber of the Oregon Department of Forestry, I'll just read a little bit of it, says, uh, couldn't have been more clear about her agency's capabilities when it comes to structure fires. We offer no structure protection whatsoever, Weber told the Daily Courier. Earlier this month, we're not set up for it. But ODF's limitations haven't deterred the Josephine County Board of Commissioners from moving toward the easing of fire protection requirements on certain rural properties. As Denny reported, the commissioners are expected to vote by the end of the month on code changes that would eliminate structural fire protection requirements in the county for building permits for new construction and, in some instances, remodeling work. All right. And so... They see a problem over at the Courier. I'm just kind of curious, how does the board... Now, you're not speaking for the board, but you are one of the of the three members. So what's really going on here in your opinion here, Herman? Well, <clears throat> we're making some adjustments to our county code, Article 76, which is wildfire mitigation. Okay. It, all right. And that's the secret. Now, Natalie Weber from ODF, she... Uh, in my view, she made a couple mistakes because she responded from some questions from the press <clears throat> that weren't necessarily good questions of what the commissioners were doing. And her, she, in my view, she should have called the commissioner's office to ask us exactly what we were doing before she commented. So I think she learned from that. Um, I had a good conversation with her boss. Her boss came and addressed the board a couple weeks ago. You don't put that, Scott's daughter, don't put that in there. And and the reporter from the Courier was there. <clears throat> and so, yes, 
we've never claimed that ODF is a structural fire company or, or a fire service fire company. Mm-hmm. We we have said, and you know, I have a little bit of experience because I've done a lot of work with them. In fact, I've actually worked for them at times. So they will take some action. But they won't go into – they are not structural firefighters. They don't have the equipment. They will not go into buildings. But they will also, because of the safety of the citizens, they will take some action. Now, that's what we said. The courier ran away and, and said that we are trying to replace structural firefighting uh, with ODF. That's not what we're trying to do at all. It has nothing to do with that. Okay, well, then what does the change to the code – actually accomplish or what is being proposed well somebody along the line snuck into our code i don't know if it snuck in but got into our code that to get a development permit you have to show that you have fire protection okay well there's people in josephine county that don't live in a fire district and couldn't even subscribe to a, a, a private fire company. Um, there are people that can pr- um, probably subscribe to a fire company if they want. But it's not universal. There is not universal fire protection coverage available in the entire county no, where people I mean, can build. Okay. There, there's properties outside the Illinois Valley Fire District that, that a private fire company cannot serve. So... What we've done, we've aligned with the state statute, and we've worked with the state because the state says to develop a piece of property in a forest setting, so it's deemed a forest setting, that you have to you have to be within a protection district. And I'm using precise words, okay? Okay. Well, Oregon Department of Forestry serves as a protection district. Remember, this is wildfire mitigation. This is not structural mitigation. So it meets the state code. And so now if you live in those areas that are outside a fire district, you can get a development permit because you are paying Oregon Department of Forestry to do fire wildland fire mitigation. You but that does not put them on the hook then for structure fires. They are not a structural firefighter. Okay. They, they never have said that. This is this is Scott Stoddard's take again. So this doesn't, you know, people that live within a fire district. We have several in Josephine County. We have Illinois Valley, Williams, uh, Wolf Creek, and Applegate. And if you live within those fire um, districts, great, hooray. If you have the ability to subscribe to a private structural firefighting company, great, hooray. doesn't do anything about that. All it does is let you have some property rights. You know, when you buy a piece of property, you get that bundle of rights for quiet and peaceful enjoyment of your property to develop and stuff. Mm -hmm. So this helps people that fell into that gotcha so they, they, they kind of fell between the regulatory cracks well, in the system. Somebody slipped that in the ordinance, and I don't know how that all happened back in the early 2000s, so, but it did. Okay. So we're just we're removing that. We're in line with the state statute. Scott Stoddard, I don't know what he's talking about. So I guess now he's a structural firefighter, too. All right. Now, or, so Oregon Department of Forestry will not be called to do anything else that they wouldn't do to that existing property right now, right? So, no. So, you know, that's kind of an interesting scenario because when you, when you live in a ODF protection district, okay, so the state statute tells which lands, are exposed to wildland fire, and those become into a protection district under Oregon Department of Forestry. Like, my farm is outside of that, so I don't get an assessment from Oregon Department of Forestry. So when you live in these areas, you will get an assessment, a minimum assessment, and so much per acre. And then there's another assessment, and it's called an improvement assessment. It's $47.50. So it's improvement. And 
that money actually goes into the large fire fund. But on the ground, ODF's job is public safety, and especially when it comes to wildland fire. So if your house is on fire and they roll up, depending what resources they have, they'll probably take some action on it, depending what's going on. If it's fully involved and they have a Type 6 engine with 250 gallons, they're probably just going to try to stop it from spreading to the wildfire. That would be their job, but their job is not like Illinois Valley uh, Fire District come out there and put the fire out, and et cetera, et cetera. That's not what they do. Well, you know, they can do all. I've seen them take a lot because they don't want that house fire to spread to the wildland. Oh, I completely understand that, but it's not a routine. It's, not a, it's, it's about spreading to the forest more so than putting out the structure fire, generally. That's their focus, uh, right? You know, I, I don't think that's a great statement either. It's not. Because, no, they, they I've seen them, I've seen them take a lot of action on a structure fight, depending what resources they have available. So every situation is a little bit different. They also do structure protection in a wildland fire. So they, they try to stop the wildland fire from burning down the structure. So there's a... So there is more of a bur- so there is more work for ODF to do with a development in this area, though. To be fair, right? There would be more potential. Yes, and, okay. And you know, and then we have people coming in and they say, "Oh, you know, structure firefighting they they help with, with wildland fire and everything." Well, yes, that's a, that's a, but but what percentage? They don't have access to all the resources that Oregon Department of Forestry. They don't have access. They can't call in air tankers. They can't call up helicopters. They can't call up, um, you know, uh, crews and wildfire crews and dozers and all those things. They don't have that ability. That All that responsibility lies with Oregon Department of Forestry. So back to the beginning of this, I think Natalie made some she – made, she made some statements based on the, the questions the press asked her, and she didn't take the time – to check and see what the commissioners were doing um, before she made those statements. Her boss came, cleared that all up, testified in one of our meetings, so that's all put away. So okay. that's what's going on. All right. What I think is going to be the uh, greater restrictor, and maybe this is part of the uh, part of the plan, I, I put the plan in scary air quotes out there in rural lands, is the cost of fire insurance right now. I had a friend who called me up from uh, from Josephine County that uh, went from a thousand to I think four thousand dollars, and that's if he can get it for his uh, relatively small parcel. And that's what has happened to California. A lot of insurance companies quit writing it, and so then the state the state created a high risk pool. And so yes, and and always remember that the environmental community always go back to what I say: who controls Oregon? It is, Bill. Public employee unions and environmental Union. lobby and and who else again? Um, trial attorneys. Trial attorneys, yeah, forgot that. Yeah. Okay. Okay, and so the 30,000-foot view with the environmental community is nobody should live outside the city limits. Mm-hmm. So anything they can do to pick away at making it harder, more expensive stuff, they're going to continue to do that. And that reminds me, that's probably where that uh, where that ordinance change in the code that you had talked about that the board is likely going to uh, repeal then was about. Someone slipping well, that in, right? Wasn't it? Well, let's back up. Who would benefit from putting into the code that to get a development perspective you have to show that you have uh, structure protection, even if you don't live in a fire district. Who would benefit from that? Probably. Even my, would it be fire districts that would benefit from that? Not the fire district. No, the private fire company. Oh, now don't okay. you? Now aren't you a private? Don't you do a private fire company too? Well, we do wildland fire, and we set, or my sons they have the company now, but okay. they, they're contracted with the federal government, so that's. So, yeah, it's a private structure company would benefit from that that in the code. Well, as a county commissioner, I can't say, well, if you want to build a house, you have to go contract with a private fire company, and they can charge anything they want as a condition of your development permit. 
that's not right, and it's going to get us sued. Is <laughs> what it's going to get us. Okay. So, yeah. So, all, right, all right. I think I understand a little bit why the why the change. Okay, I get that now. But th- thanks for explaining it. I, I read that the other day, and it's like, okay, I'll ask Herman about it. But uh, it, it's I think you adequately explained this. All right. We we have explained it in meetings after meetings, and the courier keeps tra- tying it with structural fire protection. And it's Article seventy six is wildland fire mitigation. There's a whole bunch of stuff in there. You know, you got to have set fuel setbacks, and you got to have your driveway's got to be constructed right. Your bridge has got to be constructed. Does it require things like a uh, a metal roof? Even does it do that? Um, well, that would be in the building code. Okay. Okay. This is in the development code. Okay. But anyways, there's all kinds of good things in Article 76, but we're just taking out one that was probably not fair to the property owner. All right. Very good. Well, thanks for settling that, Herman. That's why we have you on at least once a week here. Before we take off, though, uh, we have um, Michigan primary today. But you were telling me off air that you're thinking, is, is this like the weirdest presidential election cycle of our entire lifetime, and I, it is the weird, is the strangest feel. I know that in the conspiracy theory world, they're always saying there's not going to be a presidential election in 2024. Maybe they're right to a certain extent. I don't know. Well, <laughs> it's like you know, nobody's campaign. I know Trump's out campaigning a little bit, but sure. I mean, there's no primary. I mean, there's no candidates. There's no debate. Uh, there's no. Nothing going on. It's just like, you know, (laughs) it's weird. It's just we all know who the candidates are going to be. They're going to be Donald Trump and Joe Biden at this particular point in time. But it's almost as if they're being presented to us in a way like here we are. Exactly. Yeah. It's like we're just going to rerun 2020 again. It's a 2020 part two. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, hey, Democrats, um, here's your choice. And hey, Republicans, here's your choice. So, yeah, and we have no other choices. So why even have primary? Ah. Nobody nobody running, you know? Well, so, you know, um, when you hear Nikki Haley, though, talking about, uh, hey, she's going to be in this for the long haul, even though the uh, Koch brothers withdrew their funding, they're not going to be uh, funding her uh, any longer because they don't see a pathway forward. I see her uh, trying to uh, play the Donald Trump spoiler with going with maybe an independent run or a no-wires, kind of like being the Ross Perot of 2024. What are you thinking? You know, I think, no, I think, you know, Trump has so many problems. The Democrats are absolutely pulling everything they can to stop this guy from running. I mean, this thing in New York was just, this was so absurd. This is such an abuse of the justice system. And the DA in New York needs to be just, she needs to go away. She needs to lose her job, in my opinion. All right, so then Nikki wants to stay in because she figures that one way or the other, they're going to draw enough blood, and then she can just swoop in and be the savior? Well, yeah, something could happen. I, I As desperate as these people are, uh, who knows what could happen, you know? All right, well, let me ask you this. Now, you've been involved in uh, in, in politics, politics for a long, long time here, Herman. Could the Republican yeah. Party do the same thing that the Democratic Party is going to be rumored? Because uh, Joe's not stepping aside right now. Dr. Jill's not going to permit that. And uh, the people that are running Joe Biden right now, you know, the animatronic bear masquerading as president, you know, the people who are running him right now, they, they kind of like it right now. But uh, there's a lot of discontent about uh, an arguably enfeebled president that we're doing right now. And so the rumor is that he's going to be replaced that there's just going to be a revolt and a replacement at the uh, Democratic uh, at the Democratic at the DNC convention later this year. Could the same thing happen in the Republican world? Oh no! Well, it, it sure can. But I will tell you that all of this thing has been played out years ago. Uh-huh. This, is, this is this is not this is not grassroots. What's going on by any means? I mean, they they've had this plan in place for a long time. And, um, you know, it's just how it's going to go. Um, and we're stuck. The citizens are stuck. And this is going to be fascinating with AI now. Uh, look how strong AI, what, what role is that going to play in this election? My gosh, you get a phone call and it sounds like it's Donald Trump, but it isn't Donald Trump. Or you get a phone call and it sounds like Joe Biden and it isn't Joe Biden. Well, didn't uh, they pass a law against that saying you can't do that? 
Okay, Herman wins the interwebs today with just like, they passed a law. So what? What does that mean? Okay, I love it. All right. Yeah, we got a law against people running across our border. And how's that working out for us, Bill? Point well taken. Herman? Yeah. Always so, a- uh, I'm just telling you, you know, everybody grab a grab a seatbelt and, and screw it down to your, your chair in your living room because you're going to need it in this election cycle. Will do. We'll talk next right. Tuesday. Thanks, Herman. You be well. Take care. <laughs> Bye-bye. Shade before 8 o'clock. Oh, man. Uh, as, as much fun as that was talking with uh, with Herman here, we're going to have some fun next on the Diner 62 Real American Quiz. We're going to do it a different time right now. I just feel like doing it now. All right? right, let's. Why don't we do it at 8 o'clock instead of always at 845 or something like that? Let's do that right now and uh, get you set up. It is a great Diner 62 quiz. It's a musical quiz today. Multiple choice. Jump on it. 770-5633. 770-KMED. And uh, if you have not won this in the last 60 days, you can get that $20 gift certificate next. Winter in Oregon. It means rain. Waterlogged soil expands as it saturates, and that pressure can impact your home's foundation, sometimes even allowing the rain to get into your home. Terra Firma Foundation Systems can help. We've got your back. Terra Firma is the Northwest solution for safer foundations and dry basements and crawl spaces. One easy call can protect your home this winter. Click GoTerraFirma.com. Schedule a free evaluation. CCB 173547. That's GoTerraFirma.com. Hi, it's Bill Meyer. I told you I saved by switching my home and auto to SkyPark Insurance, but I'm not the only one. Here's Carol from Central Point. SkyPark doubled my liability coverage on three cars and my travel trailer, and they cut my premium in half, saving me over $1,100 a year. And it was easy. Thanks, Steve. SkyPark is an independent agency with providers like Progressive, Safeco, Foremost, and more. Call Steve for a quote. 541-261-5444 or visit skyparkins.com. At Skypark, we make insurance easy. Have your taxes gotten off track? Just call Zach, CPA at First Response Resolution. Visit firstresponseirs.com today to see what Zach can do for you. First Response Resolution in Eagle Point is your first response to the IRS, defending your rights as a taxpayer. On the battlefield, there's a saying America's military men and women live by. Never leave a fallen warrior behind, ever. Off the battlefield, Wounded Warrior Project operates with the same goal. Wounded Warrior Project was created to help our men and women returning home with the scars of war, whether those scars are physical or mental. Wounded Warrior Project. We never leave a fallen warrior behind. Ever. Learn more about what we do at WoundedWarriorProject.org. The Rogue Gardener, sponsored by Grange Co-op. If we select certain plants and manage a habitat with a purpose, even a small plot can provide very high quality overwintering habitat for the insects that pollinate our plants and beneficial insects that attack harmful insects in our gardens. Call stands Saturdays 10 to noon and Sunday morning encore at 9 on KMED and KCMD. The Bill Meyer Show. 1063 KMED 993 KCMD Man I had a breakfast special from Diner 62 the other day <laughs> It was it was like Nirvana on a plate Nirvana as in like elevation not the Nirvana the band all right but uh, 8 ounce New York steak and eggs is a special right now it comes with hash brown and toast and it is delicious Try that today, along with maybe on Friday, Clam Chowder Friday at Diner 62. Come on in, have a bowl or grab some to go. And the crispy chicken sandwich added to the menu. Oh, that's another. You're just going to love this, okay? Diner 62, just south of White City. Now then, let us go to David. David is in Phoenix, and David, you are hungry, from what I understand, correct? (laughs) Good morning, Bill. All right. (laughs) All right. Now, I'm going to put on my 1980, late 1970 uh, DJ voice here when we uh, introduce this. But the very first and last Grammy ever awarded for best disco record happened today in 1980. So we're talking 44 years ago today. After watching disco music utterly dominate the landscape back in the late 1970s, uh, Grammys decided to give it their stamp of approval just as the musical style was preparing to die. On a fundamental business level here, David, there was growing disillusion within the record industry. 
As popular as the music was on the radio and in the clubs, disco had failed to produce many of the multi-platinum acts that the industry depended on for its biggest money. So we have five nominees in 1980 for the best disco record. This was in 1980. Which song won? Was it this one by Gloria Gaynor? Oh, yeah, that was what a great memory. What a great memory, right? <laughs> so, was it I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor? Was it uh, Boogie Wonderland? Yeah, Earth, Wind, and Fire. This was also nominated. That is B. So, uh, what about. And now, this one was also. You're laughing, right? You're having fun with this, aren't you, David? <laughs> Listen. Disco of the world back in those days. <laughs> I couldn't wait for disco to go away. So I know, I know. I could actually win this one. But, but on you might be able to win it. Okay, now, Rod Stewart was also nominated. This was his career low, in my opinion. <laughs> so that was another one that was... Uh, that was. Oh. That one could be revived today, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it could be. It could be. Uh, Donna Summer, also nominated for Best Disco Record. And finally, Michael Jackson. He's also. All right. So there we go. David, these are the five nominees. 1980, today in musical history, the Best Disco Recording. Which one? What's the one that won? Gloria Gaynor, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Rod Stewart, Donna Summer, or Michael Jackson? <laughs> this is so sad. I'm just going to go with number one. I gonna... have no idea. Number one, I Will Survive? Yes, indeed. <laughs> Everybody else was just an also run, but yep, you're absolutely right. The first and final Grammy for Best Disco. Gloria Gaynor's I Will Survive. The others were all nominated. Oh, well. So there we go. Now, the interest. get something to eat. Yeah. Now, the thing is, though, David, oddly enough, Gloria Gaynor is being credited with having the first disco song because you may recall she did Never Can Say Goodbye. That was 1974. And the first mainstream disco hit was Love to Love You, Baby by Donna Summer. That came out uh, the year after that. So that was it. Now, Oh, boy. A little side note on Gloria Gaynor. She's still out there performing. And my wife, Linda, back when she was a young woman, uh, was uh, living in Las Vegas in those days. And she saw Gloria Gaynor as an opening act for Gladys Knight in the Pips in Las Vegas. And poor Gloria. That's the only hit she ever had, right? So she's in there and she's singing a bunch of other songs. And everyone's just yelling, I will survive! They kept yelling at her. and it. Uh, but finally she got to it. She got to it. But... Oh, my gosh. So you are off the Diner 62. Thanks for being a good sport. And, uh, oh, my gosh, we survived the disco quiz.